Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am super excited to be here with an amazing person who has a pretty amazing story and a wild career from being an actor off-Broadway to being an actor off-Broadway in teaching to being a principal and beyond. This guy also has an awesome book coming out. I'm super excited to connect with him. His name is Matthew J. Bowerman. What's up, Matt? How you doing? I'm good, Dr. Beck. How are you today? I'm good, man. I, it's 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 good to meet you. I know we've we've met in person. It's good to connect again. Um, spent some time way back when at the old Teach Better conference, and Absolutely. just awesome. Just awesome to meet in person. Awesome to connect. I'm so excited to share your story. Last time we talked, we said, you know, let's delay this until it's closer to the time that the book's coming out. So excited. I've also seen you speak. I've seen you talk about Heart Leader, and I think it just has an amazing story behind it. And I'm looking forward for everybody to hear about it. So let's, without further ado, right, let's just jump right in. Let's talk about you. You know, <laughs> one of the the things, you've been in education for 26 years, and one of the things about your career is that you were <laughs> you were an actor off Broadway and you were teaching in Maryland and trying to do the acting on the weekends and trying to figure out how to juggle that because just the hustle and grind for your passions is what I truly most appreciate. And I think it's important for us to all walk away knowing after you've heard his story. But yeah, so let's dive in. Um, how on earth? Have you gotten to this point, my man? <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the question. I, I, you know, it's always about balance and trying to live, you know, trying to find your passion and and live it forward as best you can, and 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 make it balance with all the other pieces around you. I, I mean, I've always been involved in the performing arts, um, and dance, and theater, and singing, and, and all those things. My my whole young life, and as I got older, I went to school for it, um, and trained in it, um, and and pursued that work. Uh, professionally full-time and then when my first uh, child my my daughter was going to be born I really wanted to kind of stabilize myself so I wasn't traveling so much and thought that I could um, be involved in service something service related like the performing arts but uh, really focused on trying to give back and in in, in similar ways um, and spaces to how I had been treated in my college theater experience at Towson University. Um, and so 
Um, I first went into law enforcement uh, because my my dad had been involved in it um, his whole career. His whole life, and I was like, well, this is something where I can help people. But it just ended up not being the path for me. And so I, I pursued education um, and jumped right into in theater and English and reading um, and was still performing at that time. Then part time on the side locally uh, and uh, kept kept working and teaching, picking up special education certification and moving from uh, middle school to high school and back and forth a couple of times in my journey. And then a opportunity opened in Maryland for a, a show that had come from New York that was performing in Maryland. I was able to get cast in the show. Uh, it was called the awesome eighties prom uh, by Ken Davenport, who's just an amazing artist and, and producer um, on Broadway and off and just an amazing human being, but gave me this great opportunity. And so I was still teaching and working. And then I was in an off Broadway show. And uh, so I would travel Friday nights, leave Maryland, drive up, perform the show, um, drive back that same night. So I could wake up when my kids woke up in the morning to be with them, drive back on Saturday nights again, do the show, come back in the middle of the night in the morning and repeat the cycle for almost two years. Uh, it was a, a quite crazy wild ride, but I had to find some way to still still fill that that piece of myself as a performer, that, uh, you know, as an artist that I really need to live out in my life, while also really engaging in this whole newfound love for education and working with kids in this kind of way, and 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 you know, having a career, two careers that kind of together were able to support my family. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good to hear that story again. I I always laugh. A little bit every time because <laughs> when you think about some of the things that we do right for our passions oh, and sometimes oh, yeah. when you're living in those moments when you're fulfilling your passion something you truly 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 love it may not always pay the bills but something you truly love and those things don't matter you know yeah and i mean and and so much of it you know it's 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 fraught with so many challenges it's messy it's 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 painful it's miraculous it's just beautifully rewarding at times but it's yours um it belongs to you you make those choices to really be the architect of that for yourself and carve it out and it's no one can take it away from you because it's yours yeah no and i think i think this connects perfectly into you know the story from your work from this area of your life and then moving into administration and then, you know, being in administration now for nine years and now an author, you know, with a book coming out real soon, you know, what do you, you know, what do you, when it comes to those parts of your journey, you know, what, what kind of stands out for you along the way that got you here? I kind of talk about this. I, I appreciate that. I kind of talk about this in the book as origin building. I call it that really taking apart all the pieces of you, of what makes you, you of what's created and built you to get you to whatever point you are at now in your life. And the whole administration journey, you know, kind of going the way of a, I'm a servant leader is how I've really found myself in, in, in the spaces I occupy working with students, staff and families. And, I really found that this whole administration journey was was tied to that piece, wanting to serve, but serve like kind of on a bigger capacity as a change agent, kind of leading a school in some way. And then also really tied into um, 
my origin building and a, and a piece of my life um, connected to my younger years and some really kind of traumatic experiences um, around grownups at the time and around grownups who were leaders who, you know, maybe had a chance to do something different and instead ended up kind of turning into the monsters that ended up haunting a lot of my, my young life and my young schooling, which made, which made school really tough, really, really, really difficult. Um, but out of that struggle, I found, like I mentioned, the arts, which saved me and teaching, which gave me a whole other beautiful purpose and a family, which, which uplifted my life and, and put me in a very different place. And so the administration piece was like that light bulb, like, ah, ah, here I can, I can be that, that leader that I didn't have as a little boy. I can be that leader that I didn't have in an elementary and middle. And, and I, and I can really start to reshape that narrative, not only for myself, but, but in terms of the impact I'm trying to create now and, and, and the ways I'm trying to lead and, and, and serve kids and families and, and work with staff. And, and, and then I've been on that journey, like you mentioned, uh, for, for a little under 10 years now, um, you know, trying to, sh to shape myself as a leader in the work. And then ultimately it, it became the heart leader. Yeah. You know, we are definitely most qualified to serve the people who walked similar stories. We are definitely all connected through our stories, you know, whether it be a once in a lifetime experience or whether it be an experience with someone that is out of, you know, the ordinary or whether it just be something on a day to day, because there are so many different things that we have in common and we have so many connections with other people. And, and I think it's so important when people are utilizing work that talks about deepening those connections, because you can't talk about relationships enough because they're so complicated and people are so complicated. Individuals are so complicated. And since the pandemic, it's even more complicated than it's ever been. Right. So I think it's, I think it's important for this kind of work to be out there. And so you know, I love it. Talk a little bit more about this book, about the message behind it. So, so Heart Leader is a, a trauma-informed approach to teaching and leading, and it really occupies K through 12 space. But it's not just for like administrators or leaders, it's for teachers, it's even for families. Um, I've been working on it, I think, you know, archiving stories collecting ideas probably for 15 years or so and started writing elements of it, small chapters, bits and pieces here and there long ago. Um, and as my love for the work and honestly, my, the love for myself really came into a better place. And so the book came to life. Um, and it really is kind of a mix. It's part memoir, you know, taking this young boy and watching the things that, tore him apart as well as the things that put him back together that obviously being me and setting me on a road to trying to uncover and unlock my own story along the way and rewrite it so that I thus in turn could be in a healthy grounded and loving space to to lead in this work moving forward and trauma responsive work designing trauma sensitive spaces in school communities working with trauma responsive strategy, strategies, restorative practices, social, emotional engagement. And so the other part of the book is really a field guide. 
goes into a whole section on engaging students, engaging staff, and engaging families in trauma-responsive practices, focusing on love. That from the beginning to the end of every single day, it's all about authentic relationships and all about authentic love. And not just like in a, in a philosophical or idealistic sense, right? Because you can love families, you can love staff, you can love students. Most importantly, you first love yourself, but you can operationalize that word. And so there's a lot of work in the book around origin building and bridge building around the nature of operationalizing love as a strategic tool for school improvement. Everything from climate and culture to um, eliminating disproportionality behaviors um, with marginalizing students of, and communities of color and indigenous communities to really looking at um, observation work in schools and how to des design uh, lessons and practices that are love-based, that are grounded in trauma-responsive care and, and engagement um, and really strategic approaches because you mentioned the pandemic last two years. I mean, talk about people struggling to be present with other human beings, about deepen, deepening connections when people are just struggling to, to be face-to-face -face again, present in intimate spaces um, of connection. And we took, you know, we ripped students and families and children out of the virtual, dumped them back into the school world as if nothing had changed when so much socialization had been deconstructed, when so much of um, intimacy around connection and care and love had been, had been damaged by being virtual for so long and trying to find our way back to each other um, has been a real goal of mine. And the book, I think, helps to solidify that and, 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 and work to build those bridges to bring people back together, to bring them back to each other in community-based ways, um, uh, in, in, in ways that really help to understand that it is okay to love one another and that everyone loves one another, gives love, shares love, um, perceives and receives love in very different ways, and to meet each person where they are in a school community space with love as your operating lens, I think is the key to all true relationships and all school improvement. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. We're cracking this thing open right now. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm fully engaged, operationalizing love. And, you know, one of the things when people have a positive mindset, when they have a positive approach, when they have a positive outlook, sometimes that doesn't, that's not enough. You know, the strategic piece that you talk about, give us something, give us a gold nugget, give us a strategic piece to bring love into a situation with students. Well, I think we find in this day and age, a tremendous amount of struggle around emo emotional regulation and dysregulation um, at any given age. It might be the first grader who is just in the corner with a pair of scissors digging into a desk while they're crying, uh, uncertain how to communicate what they want or need, or the 12 year, the, the, the 12th grader who, you know, just pushes their books off their desk, drops their Chromebook on the floor and just storms out of the room, muttering curses, um, and punches the wall on the way out, who is still trying to let something else out of them that they're not sure how to access. It comes back to, you know, behavior is a form of communication, which is, I think, a standard piece in trauma response work. And you don't have to know every student, staff, or family's trauma story to love them. But 
finding ways to access people at any at any level at any age really starts with relationships and creating very intentional behaviors from the beginning moment of a school day through the day around engaging students in authentic ways and honest ways, um, tapping into what they care about, what's important to them, and trying to create connections in curriculum, in conversation, you know, discourse and dialogue, um, in intentional um, lesson planning, and then adjust your general engagements in a, in a building with them around how do they see themselves in a relationship with you? How does that child, that staff member, that parent see them themselves in terms of the relationship with you? How do you meet them where they are and draw that experience forward to connect it with yours and find those common threads that can exchange that love? Because there's going to be times for, for positive conversation. There's going to be times for hard conversation. And we can't just love and support people in all those happy-go-lucky spaces. It's all those challenging, really gritty, messy times that are going to happen all the time in school, hallways, classrooms, lunchrooms, you know, playgrounds, wherever it is, um, where they're going to need you. And so right from the beginning, trying to find those very honest ways to say, here's how you can see yourself in the, in the curriculum. Here's how I'm going to bring that experience to you. Here's how I'm going to make sure I'm you know, communicating with you and connecting with you in a way that this is a safe space for you to be in each day. And that when you do struggle, I'll meet you there. And I have collected tools. It might be just um, me being present in a space with you. It might be taking a walk with you. It might be that I've created a trauma-sensitive space where there's somewhere else in that room where you can decompress and unlock whatever's going on and write it out or just listen to music, whatever it might be. But we're, you know, we live and operate in schools now in a way that not only families are reaching out for help, but our staff and our students are continuously reaching out for ways to mitigate feelings, big, big feelings, losses connected with them, challenges connected with them that they aren't always able to articulate and trying to find those ways to have those conversations and to listen, not just hear, but really listen to people. Um, that's why I talk about love because when you love them for what they are and who they are in that moment, no matter how imperfect or broken the, the literal items are around them on the floor or whatever whatever those cracks are, those cracks let the light through and, and, and trying to be there present in that light with them to say, I, I'm not walking away from you. I, I'm here with you. I'm five feet away, 10 feet away, two feet away. I'm at the door. I'm in the corner. I'm next to you at a desk. I'm in the hallway side by side with you. I'm in the break room with you. Where do you need me to be? I can be there to show up, to listen, to receive, or to support and provide something. I mean, that nugget, obviously I stretched it out, but it really... That, that is the work. Academics, grades, none of that can happen without this other work. It's impossible. And that's for family, that's for staff, and that's for students. The, the work of school, the business of school, of, of, of testing, of, you know, of, of, of curriculum planning, of grading, of data collection and protocols, all of those things are critical, right, that, that, that keep the wheels of school moving towards trying to advance students academically. But un un unless you have uh, a processes and mentality in place for constructing lives and making sure they're not deconstructed of loving lives to a better place and communicating that love and making it visible and your thinking and your action on a daily basis. The other things just can't happen. That is absolutely like 
fact number 27, I think you just said there. I lost count, but you are absolutely correct. My head has been nodding a lot. You talk about every student and you talk about the idea of love and all the challenges that kids are experiencing. And so I'm going to ask and build and push you a little bit more because I know you have the answer to this. And I know we, we, you know, we have talked about this a bit, but when you talk about every student, I'm talking about now, I'm going to, those educators that are sitting way, way, way up in the back, they're up in the, in the last, last row. How can you show love to every student every single day? So I, I think it's important, first of all, to acknowledge the tremendous ask that teachers are being confronted with every day to wear so many hats, to have so many things going on in their lives within a a school space on a daily basis and still, um, and still expecting them to have students high achieving, uh, you know, to be scoring especially in a universe of over-assessment, in my opinion, but to be scoring in certain ways that reflect back upon those teachers every day. I, I think it's important to acknowledge that the, the courage uh, and, and, the, and the patience and the strength and the fortitude that takes to show up every day in the face of that, especially coming out of a pandemic where there's a tremendous amount of collateral damage and trauma, not only on the children and families that we engage with every day, but that we as adults, as teachers, as educators are carrying into those buildings. It might be a, our own family member. I'll reference this just for a moment. During the pandemic, my brother died. Um, we lost him, my brother Blake. And uh, I lost several other friends during that time period due to the illness and due to other things um, that were, that were uh, you know, haunting them that they were unable to escape and yet still had to go on in some way. That doesn't make me any better than any other human being, but I had to find it in myself. And teachers are doing that every single day, finding it in themselves to show up. And there's a lot of attrition out there. And, and that's wise, too, if this is not the work for you, based on the level of what's being asked, then finding something healthier and safer is definitely the right decision. But there are thousands and thousands out there showing up every day, bringing their most honest, best selves to it. So from the front row to the back row, every row matters, right? And every row counts. But those 36, 28, 15, whatever amount of students are in that room, for myself, what I try to do, from my experience, are some simple things at first. One, that you know every child's name in that room and how to pronounce it. First names, last names. You know, simple things, first of all. And that you're at the door in the hallway every day that you're out there engaging in those hallways, not only plugged into the pulse of what's going on in the school, but that they see you as a lighthouse. They can come to you. They can bounce off. They can reflect. They can laugh with you, check in, but you're there, that constant ever-present source, because sometimes that school is the safest place they can be. And even when they act out, they break down, they show off, they show up. That's because it's the safest space for them because those four walls are the only thing keeping them safer from a world out there that's trying to break them up or a home life that's even more dangerous than anything else they could imagine. And so 
they show off sometimes or or act out because that behavior is communicating. I'm crying out for something. And, and you, teacher, back row to front row, are the one that I'm trying to work it out with. Doesn't mean it's always easy um, uh, at, at all. And of course, teachers have to carry forward their own safety and student safety in a classroom. But those first initial connections around name, around identity, around making a connection with them about something that they can have on common ground with that student is critical for that first basis behavior. But then making sure via maybe a community circle every day that we're taking the pulse of the room, of the classroom space, where your kids are as we get ready to engage in those mastery objectives to move into the learning for the day, whatever lessons we're going to engage in, whatever is going to happen in that classroom for the day can only happen with, you know, a, a group that's cohesive, that's trying to pulse together, work together, listen and understand together. And there are going to be days when it's not perfect. That's just life. And we have to embrace that too. But a teacher has to be in that same healthy space to be able to engage in that way. And that first, of course, starts with that own loving work with self. But then from there, doing that identity work and then moving from there into a communal building work as a community in the room with circles or check-ins. So you know what's going on with the kids in the room. You can check, you can see. And then that way you can uh, approach them individually with a strategy that you might need or get them to your school counselor, school psychologist, an administrator, a fellow teacher they have a relationship with. If within that space, they don't have enough of what they need to have a successful and healthy day. You have those other resources you can partner with there to get them where they need to be. But it all starts with you. It does all start with that teacher. And again, that's a big ask and a lot of weight, but that is what we have signed up for. We're on the front lines of it, right? And that is what we are signed up for. And that for me is where the love is. Because if I'm loving myself and I'm loving my family and I'm focused on what that feels like, then those students in that room, those staff in that building, I'm trying to engage with like they were my own kids, my own family, and I'm trying to love them in the same types of ways and approach them in the same types of ways, listen to them in the same types of ways, because I would want that for those people that are you know most intimately connected with me. And so... That's what I'm saying back row. That's what I'm saying front row. It's not easy. It's very challenging, but it's on a case by case, one day at a time and making sure that you show up each day, that you're visible to them, that you're talking with them and listening more than talking and really trying to connect and listen for ways that you can find bonds between their worlds and yours and then use those things to enrich their lives in the classroom, bringing experiential opportunities in, bringing curriculum in, bringing experiences outside the school in that bring them back again and again that they realize the life they have with you in that classroom extends beyond those four walls. And then you show up at their sports events, at their theater events, anything else that you can connect with with them and their families around their lives so they know this person's in it with me through thick and thin. So when they do have those moments where they act out or they break down, they know you're a safe space they can bounce off of and you can connect with to get them support they need or get them to a place where they get other supports. That's yeah. That's a big that piece is. of the message I'd share. It's a big message. It's a big question. It's a big question. That's a tall order every student every single day. That's a, that's a definitely a goal. And you also can't be perfect. And right. And, that, and you, you know, I Brandon, absolutely. And, and in, real, in real, reality, you know, I have seen uh, the best and worst of myself in a classroom, in an, in an office, in a hallway, um, 
and, and I am as fallible as anyone could possibly be, but I recognize that imperfection in myself and I strive to like shape and smooth the edges of my intent every single day to love myself through my own trauma and through my own learning. And so it's not going to happen every day, but you know what the real point is? It's the intent to love each one as purposefully as authentically as you can on any given day to the best of your ability. That's where the key is for me in that, because it's not going to always happen perfectly every day, but you can certainly bring your best attempt to it as you engage school every day, showing up um, to make it the best day possible for those students who deserve that experience. And you deserve that as well as the educator. That is Something that we always do on this show is I usually ask people to finish my sentence. What does it mean? Unlocking unlimited potential. And I'm pretty sure that you just answered that question before I asked it. So I always love it when that happens. However, <laughs> we talk about people that are out there doing amazing things and people that are out there unlocking unlimited potential in all whom they serve. And one thing we do on the show is we dedicate it to somebody who's out there doing that. And you have somebody who is no longer with us that you would like to dedicate the show to. Yeah, I would probably uh, say I, one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met was uh, Dr. Marvin Lushti. She was the uh, head of the theme department at Towson University, also the president at Towson. Um, she passed uh, several years ago now. Um, she was my mentor. She was a good friend of mine. Um, she brought love into my life when I was surrounded by a lot of dark space. And she's a really large amount of people. She's done it for a very large amount of people for a, for a very long part of her career, but she loved me to a better version of myself. And always, no matter how I failed, no matter how broken I was, she brought love every aspect of my life and every conversation. Um, and was a truly phenomenal soul in this world. Moment of silence. May she rest in peace. And to all those that are no longer with us, we know that you are here with us right now. We appreciate you for not only sitting in the back row, but also sliding yourself up to the front row. I know that I lost Matthew here just at the end. But as we're going in here and hearing about all the amazing things that Matthew is doing, his book is coming out real soon. You can definitely check it out. All the information will be in the show notes on how you check that out. And I hope that you will check that out because he is an incredible person. And I kind of lost him here at the end. I feel bad because his connection went loose, but he was kind of, he was at the end of the show and he had done everything that I wanted him to do. So I hope that you will follow. I hope that you will go and check out his amazing work that's coming out. And to all the listeners out there, I hope that you're enjoying listening to the show. And I hope if you're enjoying listening to the show, I hope that you get the chance to share it with somebody that you know. And I hope that you'll share it with others who need a little bit of hope or need to learn about someone who's out there doing amazing things. There's been incredible people on this show. I've been super fortunate to be able to connect with all of these amazing people and even more fortunate to be able to share their stories. And I just want you to know that I really appreciate you for taking the time to listen to this show and listen to all the shows or listen for a few minutes here and there. Thank you so much. I am thoroughly enjoying 
this show, I want to thank you all. And if you haven't signed up for the Something For You newsletter, you know where it is. BrandonBeckEDU.com. Free tips and resources on the 1st and 15th of every month. I hope that you will check it out. I hope that you will join me. I wish you all the best of luck. And once again, remember that the journey towards unlocking unlimited potential, it begins with you. I hope that you continue to educate with passion and purpose and continue to lead with your heart. Like Matthew said, all the best, everyone.